the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Andrea K Show on AM 1170. The Answer is sponsored by Andrea K. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred seven pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. It's hour two of the Andrea K Show right here on Monday night at AM eleven seventy. The Answer, hanging out with DJ Carrot Sticks, Todd. Woo-woo. Woo-woo. <laughs> Can you give me a little bit better woo-woo than that, Todd? I know it's late. Woo-woo. <laughs> also got my gal, Alicia Dern, on the line all the way from St. Louis. Hey, Louie. Hey, can I go woo-woo, too? <laughs> yeah, you can give it a woo-woo. Before woo! The, yeah. Uh, now, who are you woo-wooing over? I got to tell you, when I was in Vegas this weekend, we were talking about Trump, and we were talking about Walker in the, in the GOP field before um we changed hours here. When I was in Vegas, all anybody was talking about was Trump. Everybody was coming over to me. Oh, what do you think of Trump? You think he's in it for the long haul? I mean, the buzz is all about Trump. And the reality is, is because yeah. I, I was just listening during um, the, the the changeover of the hours. I was hearing something about Ted Cruz, a commercial that he had done. You know, Cruz and Rubio have some really great talking points, but they're almost sounding a little too slick. People love the real the sense of realness coming from Trump, that when he speaks, he's not worried about whether he's saying every A-N or the perfectly or whatever. It's, it's, he's genuine. And that's really what people are responding to. They're responding more to almost more to his delivery in some ways, even than some of his content. Yeah, you know, it doesn't surprise me because uh, you, people like realness uh, in other people, and politicians lack that realness a lot of the time. You know, if somebody is really polished and pre- well-presented, yeah, and, and they come across fake, you don't know whether you can trust them or not. So whether you agree with everything that Donald Trump says, uh, at least you know that he's saying what he really means and what he really thinks, and that gives him a certain trustworthiness. Right, and what also gives him a trustworthiness is that he was talking China back last year before China was finagling with their currency like they did last week, before we lost a thousand points on opening uh, on a Monday morning. And now it's kind of like, oh, yeah, this is what Trump has been talking about. We've known about the immigration. People really ticked about that. That's why they gave the majority to the Republicans uh, last fall, that and Obamacare. So, you know, so much of what he identified as the biggest issues we've got are really coming, um, even if you didn't already know about them, they're really front and center at this point, and, and people are digging on that. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that people are digging on is those, um, the Americans over there. Did you hear about what went down on the, on the train to France over there, I Alicia? Did. I did. You know, Simon told me all about it because he was reading about it in the, uh, the British news. And one of the first things he told me was that the French were kind of unhappy that, you know, on a French train, the Americans and the British had to, like, bail them out again. Well, <laughs> 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 
Exactly. You know, so much for, yeah, it's, um, so much for the, the French being tough. You know, last week, I think I, I might have even mentioned on the Thursday night show that, you know, it was the French over there was a mayor in France who said, you know, we've, we've got to make, we've got need to ban Islam. And, and I think I even mentioned an article that I read about how, you know, the French had been tough back, you know, at the, you know, uh, back going back to the Crusades, I think it was. Um, but so much for their toughness on the train over there. Leave it to the Americans, Alicia. And not only, you know what I loved about the story? Not only did the Americans kick some hiney. I mean, even on vacation, our dudes are like the baddest, okay? But I love how they hogtied him. <laughs> I love that they hogtied him. If only they had a piece of pork to shove in his mouth. You know what I mean? To like, You know how like the pig... You know, gets presented oh, yeah. with the apple in his mouth. <laughs> that would have been <laughs> so good. Make him look like a Couchon Delay Cajun style out there. So I loved it. And today I was really happy that the French, um, see if I can give it my, you know, I studied French for like years and years and years. I can't even speak the language anymore. I'll see if I can give it the accent. The Legion don't. no, I can't say, the Legion of Honor Award, which is the highest civilian award given um, by the French. And so these guys really deserved it. I feel bad for the guy who's in the hospital because he hasn't gotten all the press. You know, there's one guy who's still in the hospital uh, who suffered yeah. injuries, and I feel bad for him because he's not getting all the media. Hopefully he's getting a lot of love over there because these guys, I mean, really, it's a, it's a feel-good story, but it didn't have to be. If it, if it wasn't for these Americans over there, you know, who knows what would have happened. So Yeah, but you know, I, I think that this is like a part of a trend uh, after 9-11 that more more people are willing to stand up and be self-reliant and in the face of radical Islam. And, you know, I, to me, I'm heartened by that because I don't want to sit around and rely on the government to protect me from terrorists. You know, I don't trust the government to protect us. Well, yeah. Well, and the thing is, is that I don't trust the government to protect me, and I also don't trust the government. And that's really what the Second Amendment was supposed to be about. It was supposed to be about us being able to protect ourselves against an overreaching government. And, you know, when I was uh, did my open tonight on the 10th anniversary of Katrina, one of the things that some people mentioned on Facebook was how the government supposedly had gone around taking weapons out of people's homes. And I don't have any independent verification of that story. I didn't have a chance to check with my peeps down there to see if that was true, if that actually happened. Um, But we know that the left wants that to happen. Right here in San Diego, Alicia, I don't know if you know, but Police Chief Lansdowne said last year, he said, we can have the nation gun-free in a generation. That's their goal. That's their goal, and they have stated it. And, you know, yes, the American people, the American people are on guard. We're, you know, like the, the Beamer and those guys on, uh, on 9-11 who brought the plane down in Pennsylvania. People are on guard. But you know what? We they're, sh- not getting my, they're not getting the gun for me, let me tell you. I, uh, I have been uh, burglarized a couple of times, and both times I've protected myself. But with a pistol, you know, I never had to, to to shoot or anything. But, you know, when when you're a, a victim of a crime, it's not like the police show up immediately. No, no. A couple of Thanksgivings ago, I was in my house and by myself, it was a Friday night. Well, I wasn't by myself. I had my baby pickles and it was Thanksgiving 2013, the Friday night, actually the day after Thanksgiving and one thirty in the morning, I had a crazy guy at my door and it woke me up and I really wasn't thinking clearly or I would not have, I would not have allowed him to see me through the side windows of, of the front of my house. And I went and I got my shotgun because I got more than a few in various locations in my house. And I let him see my shotgun and he skedaddled. And, you know, uh, my my neighbors called the police and the police never came to my door. 
They never came. They, 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 they circled the neighborhood a couple of times and looked and never got out of their car and never came to my door. Yeah. And he had tried to get in my house that night. And had it not been for him, me showing him my shotgun, um, you know, I, I don't know what would have happened. And, you know, I was able to, you know, have a piece of pecan pie with pickles and then go to sleep. Because <laughs> that's what we Southerners do after somebody tries to break in. We, right. <laughs> we sit there with our shotgun and our pecan pie and our, and our dog. And then we go to bed. But seriously, yeah, when you've when you've had that happen, that that's the only thing I had any. It's the only thing that pr- protected me that night. And it's the only thing that made me feel safe. And from my cold, dead hands, what they've been trying to do um, is try to backdoor it by taking the ammo away. And there was uh, one ammo company in Tennessee that I think that they shut down, which which produces quite a bit of the ammunition, you know, that people rely on. So right. they're focused on it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a big uh, supporter of uh, Second Amendment groups. I mean, I think we have to fight for for it because, you know, if they take away our self defense, we're gonna that's that's the control. You know, that's when you have no ability to prevent harm from happening to you, whether it happens from evil people around you or from the government itself. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I think it's really important to to uh, protect yourself, not only uh, for your peace of mind, but it's your God given right. Yeah. Oh, Peggy says here in follow up to the story on the train, she says one guy had his thumb sewn back on. Oh, bless his heart. He showed up at the ceremony for the medal. God love him. And the French were impressed uh-huh. that these guys were also humble. You know, this is, you know, to me, they are the essence of Americana and what we're about as people and about our culture. And the left is trying really hard to take that culture away and to diminish that culture and what we're all about. We're fighters. We're scrappy. You know, we're going to take somebody down if they try to take our freedom away from us. We're fighters. Right. We fight back. But they want to make yeah. us lazy. They want to make us not have that fighter instinct in us because if yeah. you are like that, you know, you're less likely to, to, to be controlled by a government. I, and I just like to point out, too, by the way, you know, France is strictly gun-free, and yet that didn't stop the terrorists from getting the AK-47 and walking onto a train. Right. You know, there's, you know, since when do, do any law keep lawbreakers from breaking laws all gun control laws do is is by is, definition right if you're a lawbreaker you don't care what the law says right? right i mean you look at the gun control chicago has the strictest gun control in the nation and it's it's every weekend like 30 people are shot you know so yeah. i mean gun, con- are, gun control laws don't willing, work if you're willing to commit murder if you're willing to commit ter- acts of terrorism you don't care about the gun control laws. They're kind of small on the total pool of the crimes you are willing to commit. Right. And you look at Mexico, which, which um, you know, look at, the, look at the deaths and the murders going on there from the shootings to the beheadings that are going on across the board in Mexico with the gangs. I mean, it, gun control has never, ever in the history of the world been anything but an opportunity for a government to gain control over the people. That's what it's about. That's what it's always been about. And, you know, that's what is going on with the left. We're going to take a break and we come back. We're going to shift gears. We've got even more things to talk about here tonight. We've got to talk about, speaking of protecting us, we got to talk about what's going on with this Iranian nuke deal because there's even more information going on with that. So stay tuned, folks, because it's the Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. AM 1170, The Answer. Want to start living better, longer? LaVita Compounding Pharmacy can help. 
proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's best local pharmacy, LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990. I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen and Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen and Bath, 858-271-8434, or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractors license 657-333. Kitchen Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. If you've got questions, we've got answers. AM 1170, the answer. Welcome back to the Andrea K. Show. Gosh, I've got the smartest listeners out there. We were talking about gun control uh, before the break, and Peggy says in Switzerland, every citizen is trained on owning a gun. I did not know that, Alicia. And every household, she says, has a gun. Hitler stopped and did not invade Switzerland. Well, hello. Great information there. Um, well, yeah, it's true. Yeah. Switzerland is one of, one of the safest, most free places to be, and everybody there is armed. <laughs> I, that's, on, that's on my bucket list. I really want to go to Switzerland. I just love, love, love. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, I watch as much of the Travel Channel as I can, and I just absolutely love it there. Um, plan to go there someday. Where I don't plan to go is Iran or Tehran or any, any place over there in the Middle East. Um, the Iran nuclear You know what? I, I feel like it's such a tragedy, too, because there's such beautiful historical cities in the Middle East, and they're just being absolutely destroyed by these these uh, terrorists, by these wars. You know, they, they want to get rid of all the things cultural. You know, I, I'm even worried that, uh, you know, there's been some statements by ISIS that they want to get rid of the, the pyramid and the Sphinx in, in Egypt. It's actually really tragic. Yeah, in fact, I had a friend of mine whose husband um, was attached to the embassy there in the Air Force, and I had plans yeah. to go over there to visit um, before Cairo fell. And it just looked so amazing. There were so many historical places over there, not even just the, the Sphinx, but even places where Jesus had been. And right. you know, it, and, and to think that it's just not safe to go there now is tragic. Of course, I want to go to the Holy Land. Um, but places that are under Sharia, you know, yeah, it's, it's tragic. One of the movies that I remember from the 80s was Not Without My Daughter, and it was based on a true story about a woman who married an, an Iranian, went there to visit family, and they didn't want to let her leave. And there was a scene in there where a local man says to her, you know, when I think, you know, how tragic it was for him what had happened after the Shah fell because they basically destroyed the nation and that Persia had been known for its gardens and I thought oh my gosh you know what it must have been like before it was destroyed with radical Islam but unfortunately that's the way it is now and they are hell bent in destroying the West absolutely it is they to this day while Obama was working on that nuke deal beforehand in the middle of it now every day these people chant death to America they were burning our flag burning Israel's flag 
flag right in the middle of the negotiations while John Kerry saying when they chant death to America, they don't really mean death to America. Well, okay, well, okay, what do they mean then in Farsi when they're chanting death to America? What is it, a love letter, a Hallmark card? Come on, man. That's such a ridiculous assertion. They say what they mean. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So we've got, so, you know, and, and I don't believe that it's just ignorance on the part of the, I think John Kerry's completely ignorant, um, but I think it's very strategic on the part of Obama. I think he, they absolutely do. Obama absolutely knows that they mean it. And I truly believe that by arming Iran and allowing Iran to have a nuclear weapon, it's a part of his strategy to tamp down America's power. It's it's all about militarily and economically neutering America. I don't think that he intends for America to be destroyed with a nuclear weapon, but certainly he means to to, to keep us from forever being the, the world's greatest superpower. And when you look at with this deal, there's no other ex, ex you know, um, explanation for it. Now, these side deals, uh, Real Clear Politics has written a great article that has to do with why these secret Iran side deals matter. And I encourage everybody uh, to go read it. Uh, we've got um, an administration that has allowed the IAEA, the International Atomic Energy Association, to negotiate uh, these deals on our behalf. And it's absolutely outrageous. And it, the IAEA basically knows, and these side deals have, are involved in dealing with what's called the possible military dimensions or the PMDs. And basically what it means is they know that the Iranians at Parchin had been developing uh, nuclear weapons. They know that it's ongoing. And the reason why these side deals are being hidden is because they have they have not only allowed the Iranians to do this kind of leaked out last week that they were allowing the Iranians to self-inspect. Did you know, Alicia, that not only self-inspect, all they're supposed to be doing is basically taking a selfie? The, the, the extent of the inspections by somebody who says that they want to get a nuclear weapon so that they can destroy America and destroy Israel is being allowed to self-inspect. And literally, all they have to do is take a photo of their, their sites over there. This is really scary. Now, the reason why this article matters is because the administration is saying that these side deals have to be kept secret because there's a law that was done. Uh, that gives that grants the IAEA agency. Uh, it it means that the IAEA must protect a country's industrial secrets or other non um, uh, confidential information. That when the IAEA goes and negotiates, part of the deal is is that it gets kept secret. However, it, this actually involved seven nations, and the reason why this matters is because Congress has sixty days whether or not to approve this deal. Congress needs to, st- to step up and say, maybe the IAEA, maybe that when it was originally founded, the, their ability to negotiate involved keeping it confidential. But these are extraordinary circumstances. The loophole there is that it did involve seven nations and Congress must be given an opportunity to read every word that's in these side deals before they vote on it. Because once it's voted on, it's a done deal. And whether or not Obama understands that they really aim to use that nuclear weapon weapon to destroy our greatest ally or the United States. That is their plan. We have a small window here 
where Congress can do the right thing. A few people are peeling off from the Democrats, but it's not enough. We have got to put pressure on Congress to put pressure to either go ahead and vote down on it, but insist that they read these side deals that are going on with the IAEA. Did I explain that well enough? Did did that come through? Yeah, I think so. You know, um, but I, I just don't have a lot of confidence in the Congress to actually read what we're agreeing to and really challenge it. You know, uh, they've been awfully quiet or uh, 30 days has already passed. You know, what are they going to say? What are they going to do? It's just unfortunate because I think that uh, the the president misguided, and that's a nice way to put it, you know, foreign policy with respect to Iran. It's just going to go, it's just going to sail through with little more than some political uh, theater and that's it. Yeah, well, you know, I don't necessarily have a lot of trust either. I wish Donald Trump was actually speaking a little bit more about it because it seems like when Trump talks about it, it gets play. Um, so, you know, I, I actually didn't get get a chance to hear Trump's speech when he was in Alabama. I don't know if he really talked much about uh, this Iranian nuke deal, um, but I would hope that he would speak up more about it. I'm loving what Carly Fiorina has said. She's been really vocal about this deal. She's been really vocal about what should be happening with the Iranians. And she says she would be telling them day one, we are going to be all over you with spot inspections. We find anything. We are going to stop your ability to move money anywhere, anytime, anyplace, ever. Okay, that's the kind of the message that we need to have going to them. What I still don't know about Carly Fiorina is she gave a very glowing speech um, about Islam post 9-11. That's been very concerning to people. Nobody's really questioned her on that. But I'm loving what she's talking about uh, doing with the Iranians. Um, Switching gears. One of the things that we talked about last week and that has to do with radical Islam is that we have a global ethnic cleansing of Christians and Yazidis and any ethnic minority going around the world, but particularly Christians going on. And that's no secret because the reason why they talk in Iran about death to America is because they're Muslim and they view us as Christians and they view and and they hate Israel because they're Jews. So what's going on over there as Mubarak and Gaddafi and these other leaders who protected the minorities as they've gone away and radical Islam has ridden, we've got mass persecutions of Christians, children being beheaded, um, swarms of people marched down on beaches and beheaded. I mean, this is happening everywhere. In addition to that, we've got, uh, it's like Walker talked about with China, persecutions of Christians going on over in China. Here in the States, we've got an anti-Christian movement going on here. It's part of the overall movement to remove God from society, as we talked about earlier, because if they can, they want to replace God with state. So they want any, any aspect of religion removed from society, and they're using means like gay marriage and other ways to get about it. Uh, Todd Starnes uh, wrote a great article. He's he's an online uh, editor and author for Fox Nation. And he wrote, um, here's some recent things that's happened around the nation. High school marching bands in Georgia and Mississippi were ordered to stop playing religious songs, which is just shocking to me in the Deep South. They would go along with that. Schools were told to silence prayers before football games. Um, In Kansas, a painting of Jesus was, was removed from a school hallway. In Denver, the city council blocked Chick-fil-A from opening a franchise in the airport. I mean, oh, are you kidding me? I mean, really? I mean, here in San Diego, I don't know if you remember a couple of August ago when the, I think it was the president or CEO of Chick-fil-A had said that he, he wasn't, you know, he was pro-traditional marriage and they tried to, you know, boycott Chick-fil-A. And so many people from the LBGT community here in San Diego went in support of Chick-fil-A because they were like, look, can we have some freedom here in America? 
Okay, even the LBGT people were like, this is ridiculous. But this is what's going on around the nation. And it's all about the removal of God from society. There is nobody who thinks that, you know, uh, it's like Todd Starn says here. Does anybody really think selling a plump, juicy chicken breast tucked between hot buttered buns is somehow homophobic? I mean, you know, it's funny, but it's it's really tragic. You know, now I'm all for separation of church and state in the standpoint that I don't think church, I don't think state should ever have a state sanctioned religion. Okay, I don't want to be told that I have to be Catholic. I don't want, you know, anybody else to be told that they have to be Christian. But, you know, um, to think that a, a school can't have prayer is ridiculous to me. You know, we why not? It's becoming oppressive, you know. I mean, I think that uh, true freedom of religion, true separation of church and state means that everybody is free to practice religion, including in public spaces. And that it doesn't mean erasure of religious thought and religious discourse from the public sphere. It just means that the state doesn't endorse one over the other. Right. Right. So, you know, for me, if I was in school and and there was prayer going on and if I didn't, you know, share that religious belief or whatever, I would just, you know, tuck my head down there and just, you know, ignore it. I mean, you know, it's like you the Constitution does not does not guarantee you that you're never going to be offended. It's kind of like the cross. I live up on Soledad. It's like, okay, you don't like the cross or or you think that that's state sponsored sponsored religion. Put, um, you know, put everybody, put a star of David up there, put everybody's symbol up there. I'm not offended by anybody else's symbol or anybody else's religion. You know, and and, and it's like I said a couple of weeks ago, a liberal once said it's the issue is never about the issue. It's always about the end game. It's always about trying to get to a progressive majority so that they can usher in Marxism. And that's really what it's about. And one of the things that I'm disappointed in, in, in that, and I could see that that was the game plan going on in that Fox debate, is that we don't really have anybody. Um, you know, we have, yeah, Bobby Jindal's kind of gotten the closest in talking about that there's a war in Christianity, but and wanting to immediately, when he becomes president, implement some legislation that's going to protect religious liberties. Um, but he's not really talking about it in the broader sense. I like how he's talking about it along the lines of like a Hobby Lobby, that they should, you know, uh, businesses should not be forced uh, to go against their religious beliefs. But I'm really hoping that we can get it to more of a macro discussion as well to get get people to understand the bigger picture that's playing out here? Or am I too optimistic, Alicia, that the voters would be able to understand the bigger picture? Should we keep the debate to, or the discussion to be in a micro sense with business examples like Hobby Lobby? Or do you think that the GOP, from a strategy standpoint, should open up the narrative? You know, uh, it, that's a good question. I, I think that it depends on the audience that you're talking to. You, the reason that politics is headed towards sound bites is because everybody, a lot of people have limited attention spans. We're on a 24-hour news cycle now. Uh, most people only care about the small things that they can quickly grasp and apply to their lives. And, uh, and that's just a fact. You know, it's just a fact how people are. But it doesn't mean that we shouldn't talk more broadly in, uh, in rallies and in groups where these conversations can be can be had and listened to and really start pointing out what is going on here with the culture war. Right. So I guess my answer is I would I would do both. I think that the uh, Republican Party should do both. Instead, it's afraid. It's afraid of responding directly to the populist messages of socialism. 
Right. And, you know, that's partly why we're where we're at is because the Republican Party has been playing defense, not been playing offense for many, 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 many years. And they let the left craft the narrative. And, you know, I was a little disappointed in Rand Paul because when he was put on the spot with that exception question, which is their main gotcha question, which doesn't have anything to do is like I talked about earlier, the reason why they ask it. Um, it is for a bigger picture reason. Rand Paul took that issue and he said, no, instead of asking me that, why don't you ask Deborah, Debbie Wasserman Schultz when life begins? I thought that is somebody who understands how to take a narrative, turn it around, flip it around on its head and put the Democrat Party back on their heels. But I didn't really see that from him in the debate, although he really wasn't given enough time and he yeah. was marginalized. Yeah, I think that was, was the problem. It's, it's really hard to say what Rand Paul is capable of when he's given the least amount of time. And that's very common with any kind of libertarian uh, or anti-establishment uh, you know, candidate. And the only reason that Trump has managed to get past that is because he's had enough name recognition and enough money behind him to really grab uh, that percentage of support so they can't ignore him. Right. Um I think I'm overdue for a break. Am I not, Todd? Yeah, I think we're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to pick it up on the other side. We got more to talk about here. We, In fact, Alicia, I don't know if you know. Did you know that the word princess is a chauvinist act that supports the rape culture? <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about that, among, among other things, when we come back. This is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170. The AM1170theanswer.com. Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. Do you struggle with the day to day management of your business? Proteus takes the pain out of the business process management by providing you a complete system for efficiency, automation, continuity. Proteus is business solution that wraps itself around your business and grows with you. Gone are the days of multiple programs and systems for sales, inventory, customer management, and financial reporting. Proteus serves your business every day, all day, and revolutionizes the way you do business. Visit us today to see how Proteus can assist you online at www.proteuserp.com or call today 877-749-3533. Fresh Healthy Vending, the nation's largest healthy vending company, is looking for locations in this area to place its latest innovation. A fresh, healthy micromarket at absolutely no cost to your business. A fresh, healthy micromarket is like a mini health food store for your office break room. Choose from breakfast meals, fresh salads, wraps, hot meals, smoothies, cold-pressed juices, and more, all at a convenient self-checkout kiosk. Now you can offer your employees exactly what they want. All natural, healthy, fresh, and organic foods. Fuel productivity and creativity, decrease absenteeism, and increase morale. Fresh Healthy Vending is offering the first 20 offices that sign up $250 cash and 15% of the net profits each micromarket generates each month. For free information about this exciting and healthy opportunity, visit freshandhealthy.org to request your free machine. 
There's nothing like it. The San Diego Air and Space Museum in Balboa Park. All the great new simulator rides for you. The very best state-of-the-art, and they are indeed rides. Check out the 4D theater, the unlimited viewings with your general admission, and the special limited-time exhibition to the Extreme Math Alive. Final weeks for that. See it before it's gone. Still a chance to win one of 100 skateboards and helmets, too. Only at the San Diego Air and Space Museum in Balboa Park. San Diego Air and Space dot org. AM 1170, the answer. Welcome back to the Andrew K. Show. Glad to have you here with me. We're on the home stretch tonight on the two-hour block here on Monday nights, our new time, 8 to 10 p.m. Pacific time. Same place, though, AM 1170, the answer. Same engineer and DJ Carrot Sticks. Same partner in crime, Alicia Dern, here with me. Hey, Peggy says you have a nice laugh, Alicia. You do have a good laugh. Oh, thank you. I, I like to use it often, and it's easy to do when we talk about people like Hillary Clinton. <laughs> well, speaking of Hillary, you know who um, who she's not laughing today because her buddy Biden, he's thinking about throwing his hat, his his hair plugs into the ring, Alicia. And you know what I find interesting today? I read an article on HuffPo that supposedly one of the reasons why he's thinking that he would do better than her and should throw his hat in the ring is because he thinks he would do better on the income inequality issue than Hillary. Now, I thought that was odd because, um, but not odd. Odd in the sense that the Obama administration is on record. They're they're paying, what, 70 cents, 65 cents on the dollar for every for, for women compared to the men in their administration. So typical liberals, hypocritical, you know, do what I say, not as I do. Um, but also, it's not interesting to me. I get it. It's calculated because they're trying to co-op the woman vote because this was supposed to be Hillary was supposed to be the year of the woman and the historic vote. So they're trying to he's trying to co-op that message by talking about income inequality. You and I have talked before about the whole thing about income inequality is really a ruse in many ways. Um, there's a lot of reasons why women, if women don't make as much as men, there's a lot of reasons for that. If a woman decides to be a stay-at-home mom for 20 years and go back in the workforce, she's not going to make as much as the men that kept working for those 20 years. Or there's also the situation where you've got women who, you know, aren't, you know, maybe they're not making as much because they're calling it a, a day, uh, calling it a week at 25, 30 hours when their male counterpart might be working 60. So there's, you know, their women tend to make different uh, choices in terms of their degrees and their education as well as their professions. So there's a lot of factors that go into it uh, with the income inequality. I like how Carly Fiorina is dealing with it. And it's one reason why the, if the Republican Party had the sense, God gave a donut, they would be pushing her because she she speaks so much better than anybody else in the race about that issue and about how all these liberal policies that are supposedly meant to help women end up hurting them in the long run. What do you have to say about the income inequality issue as a business? Well, the, I mean, the income inequality issue is uh, it's a fallacy. I mean, just like you were saying before, if you when you actually control for all the relevant factors and compare like to like, a woman doing the same job as a man basically makes the same amount of money. Uh, you know, I, I think what's interesting about Biden potentially jumping into the race, though, uh, it's, yes, there, he, I, he's got a, a persona that's more populist and that he can talk to supposedly the common man, and he's been uh, cultivating that for a long time, whereas Hillary Clinton just comes across 
frigid. And, you know, I mean, she... she hey, now. <laughs> I know. I, I, and, and, you know, I, I'm trying to get attacked for saying that because she's a woman, but she comes across sarcastic, uncaring, hard, and that it, it's not a very human, uh, honest way to communicate with other people. And so, you know, I can see why Biden would be better able to grab that uh, dynamic. I mean, but even I, Bernie it, Sanders is more likable than her. The crazy guy who doesn't have a comb and like screeches everywhere. <laughs> I mean, could they, could they have, she has no accomplishments, no personality, no charisma. You know, every time she tries to deliver a joke that's been given to her, she bombs. I mean, why in the world? I mean, they should have gotten, if she was on the gong show, you remember the gong show back in the seventies? I mean, she oh, yeah. would have been gong like in the first two seconds. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's true. And just because she's a female does not qualify her to be president. It just doesn't. Uh, not that I think that that uh, that uh, um, our vice president should be pro- should be uh, promoted into president. But uh, you know, what's interesting to me about him potentially jumping into the race is that there's. I think that there's some concern in the power structures of the Democratic Party that Hillary actually might go down because of this email scandal. So so you're saying because of the email scandal, that means Biden? I'm, I'm not, I, I think you lost me there for a second. Okay, so I, I think that Biden would not jump into the race, uh, but for Hillary's yeah. weak. Because of this. I mean, first of all, they need to have a strong person to take over if she does go down. Right. 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 But secondly, he is opportunistic. I mean, look, he wouldn't have he wouldn't have been able to mount any kind of real challenge to Hillary except for this happening. He has no super PAC. He has no organization put together. He wasn't, I don't think, really planning to run because he wasn't prepared to run. And the only reason he's looking at it now is because there's blood in the water. Well, absolutely. And, you know, they, she was going to be the inevitable. They just thought that because she was a woman and because she'd been around forever and had the name recognition, that she was going to be able to ride into the White House on the historic thing with zero accomplishments. They thought that because, you know, she had control of the media, that she was going to be able to go around for months and months and months and never have to answer a question. Um, but, you know, it's like we say as Christians, your sins will find you out no matter where you go. There you are. You know, she has been corrupt since the Watergate days. She was fired for ethics. <laughs> And lying back, you know, in the early 70s. Exactly. Uh, you know, it's funny. I was just thinking that earlier. I'm like, gosh, you know, she she was completely corrupt and threw her friends and, uh, under the bridge and let them go to jail back in the 90s. Why do we think she'd be any different now? Yeah. And why would the Democrat Party think that, you know, she that she was going to be able to? I mean, I guess I can kind of see it. Well, look how many scandals they've ridden out. And, you know, look and look at the Obama administration. Look how he was able to get reelected after the IRS scandal in which they were targeting specifically targeting his his um, political opposition fast and furious Benghazi and he was able to he was able to to get reelected so really they actually have a good reason to think that she could continue to write it out because we've got an American people that are stupid that seem to be okay with it's like Chris Hahn that you know he proved that the left they don't there is no wrong that isn't acceptable the end game is what matters the end justifies the means and they don't care how corrupt they are all they care about is getting a progressive majority that's it and they're all counting that the people like chris hahn and on the, uh, these other elected officials people they are all banking that they're never going to have to live under the weight 
of their own right. stupid policies. I'm not sure that I'm not sure Hillary is going to go down. I mean, we've, I've predicted several times that I don't think that she's going to be prosecuted for anything, and she still has a, a, a commanding lead over other Democratic uh, nom- potential nominees, including. Uh, Biden, if you were to jump in, so she's still got the name recognition. She's still falling over 60 percent. You know, a lot of people just aren't paying attention. And so it's just kind of remarkable that this email scandal has stuck with her as long as it has. I think she thought that it was just going to disappear. Well, I think and it pretty much has from the mainstream media. I mean, the mainstream media is not even reporting on the Planned Parenthood videos. I mean, so, you know, if, if she were anybody else had been a Republican, she would have been out, you know, a long time ago. So I have, but, have not know, I have not predicted. Our, our, our uh, lovely governor there in California said specifically that Hillary Clinton needs to stake the email scandal in the heart like it's a vampire <laughs> because it is it is still coming up, you know, even though uh, and, and that's why there's this news with Joe Biden. So even though I think the, the mainstream media wants to downplay it, she's got her her people pushing the story that no and I keep hearing no credible source says that she's she's committed any crimes. And I just, that one really kind of chaps my high, particularly because that's total crap. Total crap. <laughs> I mean, lots of people have said from um, Andrew Napolitano to Sidney Powell, who's literally written books about the Department of Justice and was a federal prosecutor for many years. There are many, many, many people from Rudy Giuliani who has prosecuted um, espionage crimes and other federal crimes. She has broken the law. And we the reason why she's still in it is because the media does control it and too many people are busy watching the Kardashians and other reality shows, and they don't read the news, and right. they don't stay up on it, and all they care about is that she's a woman, and they're, they're buying into that whole thing, which I find incredibly offensive as a woman. The whole point, see, liberalism right. is such a double standard. It's so hypocritical. You know, I, I, you know, if, if it's supposed to be about feminism, that women are just as equal to men, then why does your gender matter? Why do you want to get right. votes just on the basis of, of you know, your parts? And, and seriously, women, can't we do better? <laughs> right. You know, can't, can't we have some standards? You know? Right. And that's what I asked Chris Hahn. I said, if you guys are so committed to w- wanting some historical vote, is that the best you have? Is there nobody else in the Democrat Party who's a woman who has accomplished something in her life and has something to offer who's not a, a corrupt turd who's run around, you know, <laughs> taking campaign contributions from foreign governments all over the place, married to a man right. who's been down at Orgy Island, you know, who, who, you know, sexually harassed an intern back when he was in office. I mean, this is just a disgrace. It's almost as disgraceful as this feminist author, Elizabeth Broadbent. Have you heard of her, Alicia? I have not. No. I hadn't heard of her either. Well, she's come out and said this is, you know, uh, in this, you know, that these kinds of stories are going to get more and more and more as they're trying to prop up Hillary. They're trying to, like, push for the first female. You know, it's all about women being victims. She goes on to say that calling your daughter princess is a chauvinist act that supports the rape culture. And she goes on to explain why that traditionally princesses, princesses were pawned off on husbands that helped cement global alliances. Say what? Once wedded, their chief duty lie in the birthing bed where they'd be expected to produce heirs, spares, and possibly as many children as possible. Um, well, you know, if you're married to that yummy, you know, Prince, what's his name over in Britain? I mean, Kate Middleton, right. does, she doesn't look too miserable. <laughs> you know, he's adorable. I wouldn't mind. You know, I wouldn't mind being Kate Middleton. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't mind being her. And I tell you who's even cuter is that Harry. That little rogue, that little red-headed, like little freckled face with a little twinkle in his eye, 
Anyway, she goes on to say princesses weren't given a choice in their selections of husbands. There is no someday my prince will come. Princesses are passive, dependent. uh, She goes on. They're dependent on men around them to make decisions and used sexually in ways they don't choose. It's basically rape culture. That's so ridiculous. How is that any different than how it has been for women in several hundred years ago in all stratospheres of class? Right. The reason I don't, you know, I have never personally identified with princesses is because I knew that my family would have been the surf. You know, like, like my family was not royal blood. But, you know, the idea that you can have uh, uh, women who are in government, who are have um, beautiful, happy lives, and that little girls like that. I mean, why would we take that away from them? I, it just seems that seems like a ridiculous thing of all the things to fight over why that well because it's well as ridiculous and as stupid as it is it's so calculated right now why is caitlin jenner the the celeb du jour it's because they want to attack everything that has to do with traditional america they want to blur the lines of genders in fact facebook has something like 26 different categories for genders it's ridiculous for all the different ways that they can slice it and dice it and it all goes to the heart of trying to just destroy traditional america and that includes the roles of of women And you know what? There is something inherently feminine about the idea of princess. There's a reason why a little four-year-old girl will be reading a book about that has to do with a Disney princess or watching that cartoon and see that princess with that glass slipper being put on her foot or getting out of a carriage dressed in a ball gown with looking beautiful and having a man, you know, take her, you know, in a tuxedo and and dance. That is inherently... What's up? What's wrong wrong with a woman wanting to get married and have children? Why is that a wrong choice? What's wrong with a woman? Yeah. The feminists, the feminists only, only support one particular ideology and that is uh, anti-traditional feminine roles. What's, yeah. What's wrong with a girl wanting to get married to a prince and just being a stay at home mom? The idea of a prince, a princess and a prince is that, is that you've got this charming man sweep you off your feet and give you the life of Riley and you get to be a stay at home mom. What's wrong with that? If you don't want that, fine, but don't tell, you know, another woman that it's wrong to want that you know it's so and that's where the term feminazi comes from because it's like that's what the national organization of women's all about they hate the sarah palins they hate a woman who who wants to make any choice other than than the liberal choice you know they don't want to see a woman uh the reason why they chose that picture of her in the running outfit that she had on looking gorgeous i think it was on the cover of time magazine or whatever it was is they wanted to diminish her as though the fact that because she was beautiful and took care of herself and worked out every day that somehow i guess you know to 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 be considered a success in liberal land you got to look like a hag and you know not take care of yourself <laughs> You know, you can't win, though. I mean, Sarah Palin couldn't win because if she looked like a hag, she'd be, uh, she would be mocked for that. So, you know, it, it's actually, there are a lot of double standards and a lot of ways that women are treated unfairly. I just think that picking on the term princess is not the right battle. Well, and it's not, and, and, but it, it's... It... It's a battle that actually has been working for them. They've got yeah. this narrative going. It's all about making women. It's identity politics. We're going into 2016 where they, they are still hoping Hillary's going to be the nominee. And they've got to play the war on women mantra. That includes the, the just like when a Rolling Stone did the fake rape, rape story. They've got they've been pretending as though there's a rape crisis on all of our college campuses. Far exaggerated the story. They've got to act like now this is, you know, part of the rape culture. It's all about victimizing 
victimizing women and telling women that you're victims and you're specifically victims of a Republican Party because it's the Republican Party that is embracing traditional values. And if they can get women to believe that they're victims of the Republican Party, they can get their vote. And again, it's not it's never about the issue. The issue is never the issue. It's not about a rape culture that they care about. The issue is all always about gaining a progressive majority. And that's what it's about here. But I'm with you. I don't think Hillary Clinton's really going anywhere. Um, I don't think she's ever going to face charges. I think that we're going to have to really have somebody become a president who's fearless, who's not in it to be a career politician, that's going to be willing to to, um, appoint an attorney general and clean some house and be willing to hold some people accountable. I want to hear at a debate of every GOP contender what they plan to do to start holding people accountable past and present. Yeah. That's a question well, that's you know not been asked. Hope, hope springs eternal. You know, I'd love to see that too. But, you know, hey, the cynical part of me says that we're just in for another four years or more of the same that we've had the last eight. Well, I think that people are looking for something different. And that's one reason why they're supporting Trump. Um, this past weekend, I was in Vegas, so I didn't really get to really stay on top of all the protests at Planned Parenthood. I know that many, many thousands of people showed up. Um, for that. I do think that it should be defunded. I don't think that any taxpayer's dollars should be going to that organization or really, I mean, we've already got clinics. Um, I did want to make mention of an event that's going on here in San Diego that I'm going to be at and it's given by um, Father Frank Pavone, who is the director of Priests for Life and he's actually um, partners with Dr. Alvita King. That's their organization and it's going to be in La Mesa on Thursday, September 10th. I'm actually going to be the MC of the event. And it's from 7 to 9 p.m. So um, message me if you want information if you're in San Diego. And that's Thursday, September 10th, if you want to be, you know, come by for that. <clears throat> and um, Alicia, to shift gears to something a little fun in the last few minutes, are you an NFL fan? I don't think I've ever found out if you are or not. You know what? I'm, I'm not really. I uh, I used to watch football with my first husband, but... Uh... You know, my my uh, British husband does not know a lot about football, so I haven't had much of an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Well, those of you who've been listening to the Andrea K. Show for a while, you know that I love me some NFL, okay? And I'm trying to not be too upset over some of the preseason stuff that's gone on, but I'm thinking that this might be a good year for my Saints. Okay, I know that we lost this weekend, um, 26 to to 24 against New England. Um, That didn't make me particularly happy. But, you know, I'm I'm still thinking that my Saints are going to have a good year. Um, I'm, I'm thinking that the Chargers, my number two team, Todd, I'm thinking we're going to have a good season, too. What are you, have you been paying attention to the preseason games? Yeah, you know, they say they don't, they don't matter too much, but every once in a while there will be first string versus first string, and you can tell a little bit from that. And so far, the Chargers are having a little bit of a hard time getting their running, running game going, so it makes me a little bit nervous. Well, but you know what? That always seems to take a little bit to flesh out, you know? And, and I think maybe if they get a little bit more creative with some with some game, um, some play calling. I mean, how many times do we got to see, oh, here comes Gordon up the gut? You know, it was the same thing that, you know, they always, Matthew's up the gut. And then before that, it was LT up the gut. You know, so maybe if they get a little bit more creative. Well, it'll be interesting, you know. too. Ladarius Green is going to have to step up because Gates can't play for the first four games. He was yeah. suspended. And what up with that? Come so, on, Gates. Well, he said it was some holistic thing or something that he didn't know it was in oh, there. Oh, right. Some yeah. Of, <laughs> some medicine right. that was had the stuff in there you're not supposed to take, but he didn't know. Yeah. And Bill Clinton didn't inhale either yeah. back in the day. 
Right. Yeah, and if the Saints supposedly, I didn't even get to see the game, but the word is is that Breeze just moved my boys up and down the field at will. So I'm getting excited about that. So one of the things I'm going to be talking about every Monday night as we get into the regular season, I'm not going to bore you all too much with it, but you know I love my NFL. So I'm going to be hopefully – here, I'm going to be wearing my Saints t-shirt every week that Joe and Susan sent to me because I love my, my peeps out there and I love my Saints. So I'm going to be wearing that. Hopefully, it's going to bring me good luck. Alicia, you're going to be back in the studio with me soon, um, right? Yes, ma'am. All right. We're going to be counting on you coming back then. Um, we'll see what happens this, this next week out in the news. Any predictions, Alicia? I'm predicting that this week we're probably going to see Perry drop out of the race. Um, yeah, I think that's. I think that's so. Um, we might see a couple of people drop out of the race. There's going to be some arguments about the, who's going to be on the CNN debate. Obviously, they're trying to keep uh, Carly Fiorina out because she only jumped in the polls recently. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. What I mean, so okay, so now it's not just enough to be in the top ten. You have to have been in the top ten a certain amount of time in order yeah, to qualify for the it, debate. It, it, Usually three to five polls, so they uh, they aggregate a period of time. It's just uh, more machinations. It's just more machinations yeah. to try to keep people out, you know. And yeah. and and you know, I, I'm going to be, you know. Spending a little bit more time trying to trying to research you know, really what they're saying out on the field because you know I, you, we're not getting a whole lot of media play on anybody but Trump and I really really want to do my due diligence as a voter to really try to understand what each candidate is about. People are trying to tell me right now I need to pull out any support from Carly because of what she said about Islam, but I got I want to do my own research. I suggest everybody else do that as well, and I also suggest you keep this conversation rolling all week on Facebook and. And on Twitter at Andrea K. Show. And tune in every Monday night right here from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Pacific time on AM 1170, The Answer. Love you all. Have a great week, everybody. The Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer is sponsored by Andrea K. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com. <laughs> 